Welcome to Traster in Conversation With. Listen in as one of our team is joined by a member of our community to chat about their professional, personal and financial life, including a key money moment. Here's today's episode. Welcome to In Conversation With and for this instalment I'm delighted to welcome a client and I hope a good friend, Mr Tony Hall. Many of you might recall Tony, who of course was in the advice industry and many of his clients, in fact, or many of my clients were Tony's originally. So Tony, welcome and thank you so much for giving us some time today. Pleasure. Tony, the background to this podcast was, uh, of course, my exposure to all manner of retirees and, you know, people in different phases and thinking about uh, retirement in different ways. And of course, they've all been affected one way or another by the the COVID epidemic and pandemic and sort of thinking through what that's meant for people. And I certainly have noticed a real cross-section of reaction and response to that. And I thought uh, you and I called up for lunch the other day and, and, of course, had a fantastic time. And I was reminded, of course, that you yourself have been through the whole process recently of having a, a, a vibrant retirement suddenly abruptly brought, brought to a halt by COVID. And then you kind of picking yourself up and, and then, you know, at some point getting back into, into that vibrant retirement. So I thought we might investigate that a little bit today, if that's OK. Right. OK. Nobody expected the COVID. So when it happened, it was all of a sudden we're in lockdown. Prior to lockdown, I was fairly active in um, going to the gym, but probably more importantly, every morning I have an exercise mat that I roll out and I do a lot of floor exercises. Now, I started out with very few, but they've grown. It was a a a lifesaver, really, uh, that I continued and got better and longer at doing it without, you don't have to rip muscles, you don't have to tear yourself to pieces but you gradually build it up and and you retain a lot of what you would have had going to the gym and walking walking's really a good thing you know it's good for your weight it's good for everything and good for your breathing so i'm a strong advocate if you like of walking of course one of the big problems with covid was putting on weight i tended to snack a lot two years later I'm snacking less. It's <laughs> been difficult getting the weight off. Well, Tony, can I I'll just take you back, if we might take you back to the, the pre-COVID days. Right. When you initially retired, what thought had you given to the kind of retirement that you wanted? Um, do you think you, you really thought it through or did you just kind of evolve into what retirement became for you? Because you, you really seem to prepare yourself into it with a vigour and you were quite determined to live a very vibrant life. Yes. um, Prior to retirement, one of my grandsons was having a major birthday and decided to organise 24 of his friends and get on a couple of outrigger boats in Bali that slept 14 each or something. And they were going to go, they're all surfers, and so they were going out amongst the islands where all the breaks are, they know about these things. They they read surfing magazines like I used to read Playboy when I was young. <laughs> um, so they know the 100 kilometres, uh, so-and-so, there's a great break, and so overnight the boats would go. But they invited me to go. 
Now, they invited me to go with my son and another three of our grandsons. So I participated. I didn't do a lot of surfing, although there are some funny stories that I could tell about them. And so that was a wonderful holiday. And we came back from Bali and I then retired. And I thought to myself, you know, I had planned lots of golf, lots of golf. I had in previous times, you know, I would travel all over the place playing golf, sometimes overseas, but, you know, local, go down the Murray and play wonderful courses and so on. So I, I'd been reasonably active prior to my retirement. But the business of deciding I will travel, I'll travel wherever I can. And by coincidence, one of the grandsons and his friends were going to California hiring a Winnebago. And he said to me, do you want to come? And so I said, fine. And so I went to California and I must say, I didn't sleep in the Winnebago. It was like Hiroshima inside that Winnebago. Uh, so I went, I would go to a motel and they would, they would come up and do their ablutions and Two of them would sleep in the spare bed and the other three would sleep in the Winnebago. It was a wonderful holiday. And perchance another grandson was in Mexico surfing and he said, if you're going to see them, you've got to come and see me. I then proceeded over the number of years now to go with grandkids to America, obviously, then to Jamaica, to France, Spain, Ireland a number of times for the music because they're all great music kids. And Marrakech. So I could sing the song and be authentic. You see, I've been to Marrakech and I went on the express. <laughs> but getting back to the business of re getting to retirement, um, you need to have and develop before you retire a really strong hobby of some sort, something that you can take with you out of your own home and so on and share with other people, share with particularly share with your family. I mean, come this Monday, I'm, I'm off to, to Amsterdam to meet a grandson and his uh, partner and small babe. We're going then to England and then to Ireland. And when I come back, about three weeks later, I'm going with my son to Mongolia fishing. Now, it's not for everybody, but it does raise the business of preparing because what I've been doing for the last month is when it's not raining, God help us, there's a park out the back of the apartment building I now live in. And I have a fly rod and, and I have a, a piece of cloth on the end of the fly rod and I'm learning to cast. The birds are very interested in the little thing on the end of the line. It's only a bit of fluff, but it, it's um, I'm acquiring a skill. When this trip is over, I will join some other friends I know who are fly fishers. Easy going, you know, no big deal. Drive somewhere, get near a creek have some conversation, drink a beer, perhaps a little whiskey, who knows. But even at this late stage in my life, and I'm 81, I'm acquiring a new skill. And I think this is maybe a way, had I not had the fortune of things running for me the way they did, this is the sort of thing that one should consider. If you're 55, retiring in 10 years or 65, whatever it is, you can't just stop work and sit there and make things happen. One of the things that I've done with a lot of my grandchildren, particularly those that have left school and those that haven't actually as well, is that I try and introduce them to something where we have something in common. And I found that a couple of the boys that had left school early, who now are both carpenters, didn't read very much. In fact, they didn't read in the way you would read a novel or whatever. So I introduced them to a particular author and the books were about a fellow called Sharp in the British Army, 
in, in the time of Wellington and the battles in Spain. There were about 18 of these short novels. After a while, they're shouting at one another, for God's sake, finish that one. I finished mine. <laughs> hurry up. And so. And then at one time, I went skiing with a grandson in Spain. And afterwards, he said to me, what are you going to do now? I said, I think I'll go to Spain without any real purpose. And he said, well, I'll come with you. He was able to because he was working in the snow in the summer in France in a snow resort, and they didn't allow work in the winter. And so he was sort of stopped work for some months. So off we went and we decided to follow the battle, the, the route of Wellington's battles across Spain backwards. And so we went right across and finished up in Portugal, where my grandson fell in lust. Well, sorry, he fell in love and we had three people touring for a while. But here I found able to connect to these boys. Actually, the girls started to like these books as well. But it gave us something in common, not only talk about but it also made these boys readers, and they're now readers. And yeah, I'm really chuffed that I was able to do this, and with purpose. So I'm including uh, my family in these things. Uh, Tony, I think the, the message really, Tony, I think is a rather lovely one, really. I mean, it's, these things don't just happen, do they? It's not overnight your grandsons or, or extended family don't suddenly start inviting you know grandpa to go here there and everywhere there's a level of cultivation on your side as well isn't there and yeah. as yeah. you say kind of creating those common interests is something that I think that's a fantastic lesson and, and certainly something that I try with my own sons to some extent as well and I think that we all um, you know, creating commonalities between the generations is really important because you do then tend. Yeah, it's great fun, isn't it? Um, yeah. when you're exploring those common interests. Another thing uh, that, and probably this is before retirement or maybe during, it doesn't matter. But you'll have grandkids that are going to athletic carnivals, are going to swimming carnivals, are going to speech nights. Get yourself in there get yourself in there for all of these activities yeah. and, and you'll find not only it's really wonderful but it's very fulfilling to see your generation and the generation after that doing things and they they love to see their parents and grandparents there you know? yes and keep in, keep in mind as a grandparent you have far more authority than the parents do absolutely more authority the kids never give you a bad time give their parents a bad time because that's what they're made for but yeah. their grandparents now that's uh, very true. Sweet as can be. I think that's very true. So, yeah. Tony, this is all going along swimmingly, and you know, you're, you're enjoying yourselves. You, you continue to, you know, build these relationships with, uh, with right. your grandchildren and, and, and obviously your own children right. as well. And then suddenly, out of the blue, December 2019, we start to hear about a virus in China, and by February, March of the following year, we're all in lockdown. Um, right. Can you sort of talk us through the initial impact that had on you? And obviously you had trips planned that had to be cancelled. I, I think Mongolia being one of them, actually. Yes. Well, first of all, for those who might be watching, oh, I'm a widower, so I'm on my own. Contact with other people was very important. With my own children, every Saturday morning, we'd have an hour on Zoom talking about nothing, you know, talking about everything. And that was important. Also, I used the phone a lot. I would ring people, ring people, ring people, keep contacts. It's very easy to isolate yourself and make not so much feel sorry, but forget about you know, that. And while social media can be a terrible thing, it can also be a very good thing. 
And one of the things that I've learned in retirement is how to use it, which I really didn't. Emails was my best deal prior to retirement. That's the best thing I could do. But now I can use Messenger and Facebook and, and Instagram and, you know, these things that are now. It's important because the people that you want to have contact with will be doing it. And also your family right down the line. They're all more au fait with social media than I ever was or whoever I'm talking to now. I didn't, for instance, get in contact with, say, Coles or Woolworths to get deliveries. I would email one of the kids or my grandsons and give them a list and they would appear out on the driveway because I'm, I'm on the ground floor, but I'm up about 10 or 15 feet. And so they would arrive there and I had a heavy shopping bag and, and a rope and I lowered it down. They filled it up and I pulled it up. It didn't matter about the groceries. It mattered about the contact. And so that was one of the things that became a big joke. <laughs> uh, in this day of woke things, I did something terrible. I was after some hummus and I didn't want the skinny one because I wasn't dieting at this stage, so I wanted some hummus. And on the thing, I misspelt because I've got fat fingers, you see. I misspelt and I put homo to not a skinny one. Well, you think they haven't written me about for the last two years about that one. <laughs> So <laughs> I started to read a lot more, obviously, because I wasn't out as much and read a bit with a purpose. You know, I like history, so I have a lot of books. But again, iPad. iPad's great. If you want to read there, like most people, I like holding a book. But the selection one gets from Amazon, isn't it? Yeah, is colossal. I come back, as I mentioned earlier, this keeping oneself a little bit fit. You can't rest on your laurels, you know, because... Before you retired, you were doing all sorts of things that inadvertently were keeping you fit, going right, you know, walking a little further, playing golf, whatever it was. Now you're not, you're not allowed out of the house. So you've got to really concentrate on doing something because you'll lose it like a lot of things. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. <laughs> and so, so I'm just adamant about this um, exercise business and I'm still still doing it now. My experience, and I know that you had a couple of uh, health issues during that period as well, but I, I do recall speaking with you and, of course, plenty of others during that period. And there was a palpable downturn in energy mm. uh, from just about, you know, just, and I don't think that necessarily just goes for the older generation, by the way. I think that yeah. it's kind of happened across the board and as you said you know COVID kilos and you know vanity kind of goes out the window as well because you don't have to think about being seen or going mm. anywhere or you know yeah. dressing up to go for dinner or anything like that so all of those things sort of came into play and and also it, it appears for me now when we look back it's almost forgotten three years and you know we talk about memories and that three-year gap almost doesn't exist and we talk about things that we did a couple of years ago when actually it was yeah. four or five years ago. Mm. Um, I guess the next part I'm interested in is as, as we kind of continue to emerge in one way, shape or form, even though it's, you know, it's still COVID is still very much uh, in the community. How did you come out of that enforced hibernation? What re-energised you? How were you able to shake off the cobwebs and, and start to go back to doing the things and, and having that vibrancy in your life that you had before 2020? Terribly selfish reason, but, but it was a good one for me, was that there were half a dozen pair of trousers I couldn't get into. <laughs> and so here's a motivation, lose some weight. And that was a big one for me. 
Also, you know, it was only a few years before COVID that I'd gone to Tanzania and, you know, done a stupid thing. I think we should hear the story. <laughs> right. Well, back to Portugal and my grandson falling in lust, you see. He then says to me, Grandpa, what are you doing next year? And I said I hadn't thought about it because he was going to be back at the snow. I was going to see him again. So he said, after the skiing, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I hadn't thought about it. So he said, well, why don't you climb Kilimanjaro? <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, thanks a lot. People die on that mountain, Dave. <clears throat> he said, yeah, Grandpa, but it would be such a cool death. And that planted the bloody seed. And, and it irritated me all through our summer here. And I, I made the decision that I would climb the mountain. Now, keep in mind at this stage, I thought it would be a bit of a doddle. You know, you walk up, come down, have a few beers. <laughs> you take a few days, but, you know, that's it. And so with all that knowledge, actually, I went to the website, so I looked at all of what people said. Of course, some time afterwards, I realised people don't put things on the website if they failed. Only the winners. See. <laughs> we start out, and the first day is up and down through a, a rainforest. And at the end of it, I'm bugging. And so that night at dinner, the guide comes along and says, well, Tony, how was the day? And I said, oh, look, I think I've made a mistake. I didn't realise it was going to be this hard. But I think I should go back. And he said, well, there's a problem here because in the national park where we are, nobody is allowed in the park without a guide. And we're going that way. <laughs> and you can't go that way without my guide. And so I went that way. And I did make it to the top. And the residual of that was halfway through the lockdown. In that period where we were able to do things, I had a knee replacement. Yeah. <laughs> but the knee's fine now. And, you know, I'm up and about doing whatever I could. These days, these operations are wonderful. Yeah. Oh, and honey, I, just, I just want to bring you back to the cobwebs off and looking forward. What has given you the confidence to travel again? My health, I think. My health. If I was unhealthy, well, ill, you know, I wouldn't go. You know, I've got a few problems, like everybody, a bit of blood pressure and, and cholesterol and so on. But, you know, those are under control. But I, I think I feel confident about doing it because I feel confident that I can cope with all the things that happen when you travel, with maybe lost luggage or, you know, planes that don't come when they exchange or whatever, you know, they don't panic me. And, and you know, the only time I panic is when I think I'm going to lose the fish off the end of the line. But um, <laughs> generally, it's, it's a confidence thing. And you get this confidence in the travel bit for me is by keeping up with your health, being able to walk around Toledo for six hours or five hours or whatever it is and not have to sit down and rest for two. But if you, you know, if you can't walk for four hours, walk for two or whatever and have a rest and so on. You've got to work to your fitness, you know. It's a bit like playing soccer, I suppose. You know, you can't chase every ball, mm. but chase the ones you can. Yeah. And the, and the holiday that you're going to do, do it in a fashion that makes it easier, not like when you were 40 where you could, you know, the whole world was, you're the, you're the smartest person and the strongest man, whatever. You're not anymore. So use your being selective about what you do. But I keep coming back to those exercises because they make life so, so much better, so much more inclusive. Yeah, I think that's really a, a good sound message. And as, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I, of course, do get to interact and speak with, with many people in your age group and many people, of course, in retirement. And there are many, Tony, that I sense haven't emerged from, as I described, that enforced hibernation 
quite so easily and it's as we all know it's easy easy to kind of get stuck and shaking the cobwebs off is something a couple of people just this week have said to me it's something that they've had to actively work on and manage and it's not just been the case of you know just getting on with you know getting back to normal it's much more forced than having to you know whether it's exercise or planning a trip or, or whatever it might be they're having to really kind of work on that so I spoke to a a wise old girl yesterday actually and it's it's kind of a good way for me to summarize before we end with with your fondest memories so you might give that some thought before uh, I ask you to do that a couple of what I hope are practical tips which were handed to me by as I said somebody that that is in that category of forcing themselves and to get back and to to start to live life more fully again so the first thing he said is you know don't allow fear to, to dominate your life which I think is really important the other thing which I thought was fantastic and I've not really thought about it before and you you actually alluded to it Tony around health you know, go and see your GP and understand what your individual risks are, because the world has been kind of diagnosed as a single person for the last three years. You know, we've all been herded through vaccination programs or whatever it might be. And there's been very little kind of one on one discussion around the risk of, of COVID to an individual. And we've sort of thought more about it as a risk to, to people in general. So I think going to, to visit your GP and, and getting some reassurance mm. around what the risks actually are is kind it's of really... It's really important. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought it was a really good tip. The other thing he said was to find a travel company that you trust. Um, mm-hmm. And that's quite interesting. Now, everybody, of course, has their own views on, on this. But for him, mm-hmm. he found a boutique travel company where... The health and safety measures that they're taking are very strong. So they're using, you know, sort of surgically approved masks for everybody in the buses when they're moving around, those sorts of things. So for some people, they wouldn't like that, but for others, it gives them the sense of safety and security that they need. So that was his second tip, which I thought was very good. Finally, well, was take it baby steps, you know, just kind of don't don't rush out and do a a big trip to Europe if that's not where you're, or do a smaller weekend trip, keep it domestic, interstate maybe, that sort of thing. And the final one was, was, I guess, one that you added, actually, Tony, which was, you know, seek out willing relatives or or friends uh, that you can travel with, which might, again, give you a an added sense of security. So if something mm. does go wrong, as you've said, like yeah. it might be nothing to do with health these days, much more mm. likely to be lost baggage or something like that. But if you've got the support of somebody that you trust, mm. that, that often can make those things a little easier to manage. So I thought they were a really good group of practical tips for people that are sort of struggling to get out and, and maybe do some of the things that they had on right. their list that they've not been able to do recently. Um, it's surprising so, just to add, your local council, get on their website or on their mailing list. There's an enormous number of inclusive things for people who have retired, really good ones. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. No, no, not at all. No, thank you. No, that's very much what, what this session's about. So, right. And I think, you know, that maybe that we convert some of this to text and, and right. send some of the tips out just because they're no doubt very useful. So, Tony, to finish up, I, and frankly, for me, this is what this is all about, you know, You reach a certain stage in life where you understand how redundant material things are. You know, you realise now that life is all about creating memories and, you know, really enjoying the relationships you've created. So on that basis, what are your fondest memories in retirement? Have you you got a couple that that stand out? There are innumerable 
things, I mean, you know, we talk about the birth of great-grandchildren, all those sorts of things, but from the point of view of simply retirement, a couple of incidents. One, of course, was climbing that mountain. That, that was certainly a highlight, and it, it was ridiculous, but it was a highlight. <laughs> but the other one that comes to mind was that I'm with grandson Dave again, and we're in Spain, and every evening we would go and have a few drinks, a bit of tapas perhaps, and so on. Well into this holiday, and we're sitting in a bar, and we've had more than a few. And Dave says, I said to Dave, how's the beer? He said, great, I like the beer. He said, how's the wine? I said, well, look, I'm drinking house wine because I really don't know any Spanish wines. And three weeks that we've been going, I haven't struck a bad red on the whole journey. And of course, even if I did, if you can't be with the wine you love, love the wine you're with. <laughs> oh, he said, Grandpa, that's great. He said, you should get that as a tattoo. <laughs> Because they've all been, they've been on me for years. You've got to get a tattoo. You've got to get a tattoo. And I said to him, uh, well, okay, Dave, um, tell you what. You get the tattoo on your bum, and on my bum, I'll have an arrow that says, see Dave's bum. <laughs> and I told his father about it, and his father said, you better not get into any public showers. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Look, Tony, I hope, you know, from my perspective, I look at you as a real light when it comes to leading light when it comes to living a retirement uh, in the way that you genuinely want to live it and, you know, embracing it with both hands and making the best of every moment and all power to you. And I hope it goes on for many years to come. And for today, I just hope, you know, you've kind of inspired a few people to maybe follow some of your footsteps, maybe not to the top of Kilimanjaro, but, you know, their own <laughs> yeah. version of that. And yeah, just help helping people get back out there and essentially living the life that they want to lead without the fear and restrictions that we've all been living under for a period of time now. So once again, Tony, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And we will chat soon, no doubt. So thank you so much. Okay, pleasure.